Revolution from your bed, episode 6. Welcome aboard, I'm so happy you're here. Wow, it's been a few crazy weeks. I'm getting so many amazing comments from you guys and thank you so much. This podcast basically was aimed to empower people in general, but naturally, everything that is involved with me, I get a lot of good feedback about professionals from healthcare, whether they're entrepreneurs, patients, doctors, nurses, so on, that are so happy I've started a podcast to empower patients, which is funny because the main aim of this podcast was to empower everyone through my patient story. And soon, probably in two or three weeks, we're going to launch another podcast that is dedicated for patients. But yes, if I can help the patient through this podcast, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy and honored. And today I wanted to talk about something that bothers me a lot. And in my patient experience, it was one of the hardest part, and it was dealing with family and friends. Dealing with family and friends while you're ill is, is not easy because you're dealing with something that you cannot really control. And what we need basically is to always prove that we are actually sick, at least in the beginning until diagnosis comes. And then when diagnosis comes, is always a constant fight between whether our ability to do something is challenged and managing our expectations from people and expectations other people have from us. And also, really importantly, managing our energies. I'm hearing a lot from patients in general, no matter which chronic illness they have, but mainly the group of chronic illnesses that are more, let's call it, fatigue-related, and all these illnesses that are striking the world right now, like an epidemic, like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, POTS, and other parts of dystonomia, and of course many others, but also uh, mental conditions that we are encountering more and more, and many of us will probably have to deal with depression throughout our lives, especially nowadays with uh, COVID. And the expectations people have from us are always more than what we may want to give them. But what I've learned, and again, I'm not a guru or anything, it's only what I've learned, is that we are spending far too much energy, at least in the initial phases of our health journey or illness journey, in pleasing others and trying to maintain the same upbeat pace that we used to live before. And we are losing a lot of energy in the process. We're probably going to dedicate a single, whole, separate podcast episode for the energy management. And I have a video on it on my YouTube channel, Revolution From Your Bed. But I'm going to mention it again here. There is a very interesting method developed by a patient that it's basically a kind of a theory. It was maybe even kind of an illustrative way to show our struggle. And basically she used spoons as some sort of a currency. And those spoons were counted. So for instance, if you had 10 units of energy a day, so she called them 10 spoons. And the spoons act here as a token 
to show what is the cost for every action we chronic illness patient had to deal, had to give or have to suffer the consequences of for every mundane activity that we must have. Actually, many of the chronic illness patients from these groups I mentioned before are now nicknamed called spoonies, named after this method or theory. So for instance, if we have 10 spoons a day, so for a regular human, and something that will take an entire spoon is something great, I don't know, like going on a one hour walk or going to work for a few hours or going for a run, maybe we'll take two spoons or three spoons. But for us, we can make this comparison that if I'm going to shower with those conditions I mentioned, like chronic fatigue syndrome, pot syndrome, other types of dysautonomia, fibromyalgia, EDS, and other many illnesses, I'm spending maybe the same amount of energy or spoons just like running. So a healthy person have 10 spoons and I have 10 spoons. In this case, he will spend three spoons of the entire day on a one hour run, I will spend them on a 10 minute shower. Or getting dressed will can cost me two or three spoons. So this equivalent come to stress the fact that the energy management comes with a price. And I remember myself thinking, okay, there is this family gathering that everybody is expecting me to go to. And in the initial year or two, I did everything in my power to attend those events I was expected to. Of course, that I had periods of time that I couldn't even leave bed, but there were some times before I, I couldn't walk anymore, kind of show my face in some place, maybe assisted. And I knew that maybe this family dinner, sometimes even in my own home with my family, would cost me maybe 10 spoons or enough spoons to last for one week and I couldn't leave bed for a week or a day or two. So this is only one example of the way that we have to experience our illness. And another way is to look at it from the other side. So if you're a normal functioning human and for you showering is just the mundane part of the day, brushing your teeth, showering, washing your face, going to the grocery store to get something, coming back, running an errand. This is nothing. This is just, oh, a nuisance. And I have to be there and this and that. And for many people, they work until six in the evening. They go home, take a shower, dress, maybe eat something, go out with friends, go back home, do something at home, go to sleep. This is unacceptable or believable for many. And I'm talking about millions of patients. And this clash of, I would not call it interest, but of subjective perceptions. It's the main cause that make us feel alone in the initial phases of our illness journey. Because I feel that in the beginning I was very angry and there are a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. And I can actually understand it now that I'm looking at it from kind of the other side that we are expected to at least do normal things. I'm not talking about, okay, you're not gonna be an athlete, and I've been hearing this for years, but of course you can run an errand, you can help your mom do the dishes. If you have a partner, it's even worse sometimes because you're not executing your partner's duties anymore, let alone sex, which will completely be an entire episode, and for that I'm going to discuss with an expert. But if you're on the other side, you think, I don't get it. 
okay, he's sick, I've been sick, and I'm hearing this a lot, and you've probably been hearing this a lot. Yeah, I had fever once, I know what it's like to be sick. It's uh, two or three days that you're not feeling really well. And yes, of course, we are dealing with some sort of problem. You need to be a special type of person or struggling with a psychological problem yourself to completely ignore the suffering of another human. But some people react in this kind of defense mechanism that say, okay, I understand it's not feeling well, she's not feeling well, but hey, this is just doing the dishes. And one dishes, one meal, one lunch, one dinner, one friend gathering, one party, one... You started to miss out on life. And eventually you become this person who doesn't want to get better and doesn't want to participate. And this was a huge part of my loneliness and sorrow. Even though I had a lot of friends and family members who really cared for me, but nobody really got me. That's what I felt. It was very rare to get other people to get you. And eventually you realize that maybe only other sufferers can really get you. So after a while that you're kind of miss out on life in the eyes of other people in your life, uh, you're being absent, you're actually treated like one. And the sad story I hear over and over again is that my friend gave up on me or my family member kind of sometimes treats me like I'm not there anymore. And I heard amazing stories about family members and their friends and partners who do amazing stuff for their partners. And you need to understand that even when you're functioning or remission, you need to work hard on the communication of relationship. We are going to discuss it a lot in this podcast and this YouTube channel and, and foster very healthy habits there and build a solid foundation. But in the general way of thinking of it, most people will defend themselves by treating you a bit differently. And it's very hurtful for the people in your life to see you like this. But this mix of pity compassion and judgment is a very toxic, pungent elixir that is being cooked there for a long time before finally you are feeling that you're left alone and that you're not even judged anymore. So usually there's a lot of encouragement, then a lot of judgment, and then kind of letting go of you. And this letting go of you, this is the saddest and the hardest. Part. And I had a dream when I was a patient that I have this button which I can press and somebody will talk to me and help me. And I must say that this is one of my main regrets in my entrepreneurship startup, social entrepreneurship journey, that I didn't address exactly this. I did founded a startup that offered one button emergency response for medical conditions, but it was lacking mainly the emotional support and this is something that was on my plans for a long time. It was one of my greatest regrets and dealing with chronic illness myself, trying to manage the expectation for me, for myself as an entrepreneur, as a, as a person, and the expectation of other entrepreneurs and other people and patients and followers, I felt that I'm not providing on that. And I think that self-judgment is even worse. And I give you this example because even in this sense that I wanted to create somebody to help people that are feeling left alone, and I couldn't do it in the timely manner that I wanted to do it, I reached a point in which I'm judging myself. And funnily enough, uh, I woke up one day, discovered that two of my closest friends and colleagues 
David and Martha created this amazing charity that very simply solved this issue I've been struggling for so long and that patients have been really begging for for so long. And basically you can, in a click of a few buttons, get emotional support and even professional help. And I'm mentioning them again because they're doing holy work, bodyhelp.org, a German organization that is active throughout Europe and internationally also. It's available in English and hopefully in other languages soon. We want to help them come to Israel too. So if you feel alone, if you feel left out, if you feel that you can't deal with it and you've been judged or you feel you miss out on life when you're sick, please go to their website or go to our website, thepatientschool.com. We have a button that connects to them. Um, I will have a button that will connect to them in my website, roy.sternin.com and revolutionfromyourbed.com. And I want you to understand that we don't have a lot of spoon anyway, but giving the remaining of your spoons instead of doing mindfulness stuff and self-work and maintaining your body and helping it heal, if you're going to spend it on self-judgment, pity, and feeling like shit because people are judging you and you cannot cope, you're going to take away all the remaining spoons of your each and every day and your body is going to have a hard time coping, at least in my sense, an idea. So please, seek help. These guys are doing it for free. You can also get very cheaply subsidized professional psychological support, but the emotional support, the listener part, that somebody is listening to you and you're chatting with them, this is completely free. And this is one of the projects I'm proud of the most that came out of my community, Kinnernet, my alumni or entrepreneurs that I'm part of, please don't deal with it by yourself. I remember spending years, and I'm not kidding, years on doing this self-judgment, self-pity, and I don't think it's going to serve you in any way. Going back to how to deal with family and friends, there are some techniques, and we are going to discuss it further with several people in future episodes. But I think that the right approach here is always remember that they love you and that it's probably a defensive coping mechanism. Let's play a role game here for a second. Put yourself in the mother's shoes for a second, or your father's shoes. Your mother's shoes, your father's shoes, your brother's shoes, your sister's shoes, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your best friends, your friends, your employee. Try to close your eyes and imagine you're them. Somebody that you care about or dependent on or relies on is no longer the same person to them. You cannot perform normal daily tasks. It's going to be very hard as a compassionate human to deal with it. And many people do not have the right self-development tools to deal with it in a mature, beautiful, compassionate way that we as patients accept too. And we see it all over again with our doctors and caretakers that they're not empathic enough for us. And why? Again, there are biases. And, and of course, there are a lot of wearing off and wearing down because of the constant stress. But look at our family member for a second. After a few months that you're 
really sick and hospitals and or just lying in beds or seeing doctors or tests or you are a hope for them. I'm hearing a lot of amazing stories about people who are on their way to, to accomplish something amazing and then after a few weeks they are sick and then people do not look at them in the same way. And if it's very dramatic, like an accident, people usually are very supportive for this few months, if needed, few days, few months, few weeks, because it's tragic, it's sudden, it's unpredictable, and usually in an accident, it's not your fault. But when we are chronically ill or depressed or, or feeling that we have just this wear down or a few tough weeks, many people see it a bit as our fault because maybe we're not trying enough or maybe we're not fighting enough or maybe we're lazy or maybe we want to be in bed. And I'm saying, I wish that we all had the courage to take two or three days to ourselves, lying in bed, doing meditations, eating what we like, drinking what we like, uh, gaming, playing, talking with friends, or just reading or doing whatever hobby, like painting or whatever we want to, listening to podcasts, being us. I think it can prevent a lot of those crazy falls that we see in the starts of of chronic illnesses. Sometimes we have the symptoms for months or years before and it's kind of under control, our body maintains it, but there's some event that triggers everything and I wish we had the strength to do it. But because we're not maintaining ourselves and not engaging in enough mindfulness and self-development and nourishing good relationships and challenging ourselves, relationships are hard, no matter if they're with family, spouses, partners, friends, co-workers, employers, employees, no matter what. And because we don't have the tool, because we're not engaging in them and we're not educating in them, I think that we are making a little a sinful act upon ourselves that we're not taking this time to prevent it. But when those three days become three months or three years, the judgment is going to be 10 times fold greater. And I see the judgment coming from everybody. It can even come from your doctors, of course, from your parents and friends and spouses. And the judgment is a natural coping mechanism that we need to understand the psychology of. If your mom is taking a step back and cannot cope with your illness, it's not because your mom that gave you life and doesn't like you or love you anymore, she stopped loving you. No, it's just because the precious small thing in her life is now suffering and she cannot take it anymore. If your girlfriend or boyfriend are kind of being absent from you and they're kind of curled up in themselves and even you catch them crying sometimes because you're suffering. But for many people, the compassion will come out as aggression or passive aggression. So we need to understand what's the mindset of the people who love us in those moments that we are feeling judged. And of course, if we have enough spoons to deal with it and we want to take a project and say, I am fostering this relationship. We are going through it together. I'm taking all the resources. There are amazing resources online. Like I mentioned, the School of Life and their amazing book. And Esther Pell talk a lot about it in her podcast and, and, and the YouTube channel and, and other amazing people like the School of Life. And eventually, we need to understand that this is a process. And yes, if you can afford it, or if you can get it from the insurance you are insured in, 
to get some sort of a talk with a social worker or with a therapist and involved, like bring in the person that you feel the struggle with? Of course, but we need to understand and they need to understand and we need to communicate to them that this is costing us a lot of energy. And the sinful act that we do upon ourselves is to not communicating our needs and rather go and curled up in our own self and feeling miserable. And I think that we need to communicate our needs and there are many methods to do it. First one is to write an email and not send it and then edit it and send it. It is say everything you want. And I also say it always about breakups. When you're broken up with somebody, you need disclosure. And the best way to do is kind of to write this email. I call it the unsent email. You write everything that comes into your mind and then you don't send it. And if you want to say something beautiful and close it up in a mail or a letter or a call or whatever, you can edit what you want to say. But half of the process is being done in this letter. And I'm going to talk about it also in the Patient School podcast about dealing with our caretakers and doctors and, and nurses and so on. How do we communicate with them? And this is a beautiful, amazing technique that I'm talking about a lot when I'm mentoring medical students too and, and patients and health organization. We need to understand that communication is, is the key for everything, every relationship. And if we are going to use this method, we don't have to write everything that we want to and send it, but we have to learn how to communicate it. So I suggest writing the letter or an email to everybody that you care about and that you feel that uh, something is not the same. Edit it and send it. And yes, it's a beautiful way. And when you're sick, getting even, uh, of course, a, a real letter are amazing, but I used to correspond with several other patients and several friends who were living abroad, even though, you know, you reach Later on, we reach the age of WhatsApp and the people don't call anymore and they text sometime and then they disappear. We're going to talk about that too later. But yes, it's so beautiful to get a letter for somebody, even if it's email, especially when you're expressing something. Hey, this is an update. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. I need you to do this. I need you to understand that. I'm even going to stress and say that you can have your own little newsletter. Yes, newsletter that you're going to send your most closest family and friends, updating them about your situation and condition, like business people does. If that's what's going to help you, it's going to be amazing. I have a patient asking me, what about if I don't really want them to see it? Write this newsletter letter and don't send it, but prepare it. Write your own little booklet and dedicate each page to somebody that you care about and flip through it. You can use ourbooks.com and, and you can leave it private. You don't even have to publish it. And then when, I think there is a psychological effect here. Every time you flip through a page, you see, okay, I address somebody I care, another person I care. And alongside with self-journaling and a creative outlet and mindfulness, when you communicate your need, I promise you that people will respond. It's very hard for somebody you love and love you to get a letter like this and not respond. And, and even if it's hard for them, it's such a beautiful outlet for you. Communicate your need. You need to put yourself out there and express it. I'm having trouble to do my daily tasks. I need help with groceries. I'm having trouble to take care of my children or I'm having trouble being a good boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. 
not that it's bad to be sick in a relationship, but you can express what you feel and then create the conversation about it. I think it's a, it's a three-layered solution here for you. Not even a solution, but a method or a way of coping. First of all, asking for help externally. If you can't find the support system that you need and this amazing few friends or one friend that you can tell everything or a therapist, please use bodyhelp.org. This is one. The second, self-journaling. Write everything that you feel, everything that you need. And then the third part, communicate it. Communicate it externally, whether if it's a newsletter, personal emails, these uh, booklets, and you can create this beautiful book of health. Some people call it book of illness, but I call it kind of my journey book. And you can put your journals there, put your struggles there, and create your own kind of biography. I'm sure that the, our amazing friends in our books would love to help frame it. And if you journal, if you communicate, if you're through to yourself and active in a mindfulness and actions that will help you feel better um, and maintain your body and help it heal, and you're seeking for help, you're in a better position. So remember, people who are struggling and suffering from chronic illness, mental illness, which is also, of course, a chronic illness, or even if there is no diagnosis or no illness that has been diagnosed yet, or even if they're just experiencing a very hard time. We have a lot of people nowadays, um, they're experiencing this kind of overdrive. They reach in their work and life, and they need to take a little pause. Be patient with them, and especially you guys who are suffering, be patient with yourself. Like, patience is a beautiful word, and I don't think that being a patient is actually a bad word. I think that if you're patient with yourself, if you're engaged daily with activities that will help you get better, and you communicate your struggles and your needs, it's going to be much, much easier for you and the people who care about you and that you love. Thank you so much for listening in or watching us in this episode. I really want to hear your feedback. Feel free to comment, to email us, to shout out in any social media. It's important for me to know if these subjects are helping you. And if you want to listen or watch any other subject or for me to address other uh, topics, please let me know in the comments. Please let me know uh, in an email or in other way. It's important for me to be valuable to you. And thank you so much for being with us and have a healthy day.